Well, what's up, Everlast? How are we doing tonight? Y'all doing all right? Yes, it's good to see everybody. Hey, my, uh, my name is Kevin. You can just call me Kev. That's my nickname. It's not super fancy. It's just my name shortened. Hi. Um, <laughs> everybody say your name out loud. One, two, three. Nice to meet every single one of you. Um, so glad that you're here. Hey, if you're new here, please do me a favor. Do me a solid and go out to the Life Center afterwards and sign in with our Everlast volunteers. And we have a gift for you just to say thanks for coming. Uh, wanted to just say that. Also, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, uh, I myself uh, or, or, um, or my lovely wife or our Everlast leadership team, volunteer team, we would love to meet you just to say what's up. Thank you for coming. We're so glad that you're here. Please know that. Um, so tonight, as you can tell by the super rad promo video or bumper video, uh, <laughs> we're starting our brand new series called Abide. And uh, yeah, whoop, can we all give a whoop for abide? Yes, and we are, we're really looking forward to what the Lord has in store. So y'all, with that being said, let's get started. Uh, if you can grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 11. Uh, as you're turning there, just to share over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be going verse by verse through this, pas- this particular passage of Scripture, verses 1 through 11. Again, that's John 15, verses 1 through 11. But tonight we're specifically going to be focusing on the first two verses in John 15. These two verses, y'all, most definitely help set up um, everything. uh, But we're going to go ahead and uh, read all 11 verses tonight to start out this series. So I assume that you're there. Uh, Let's read the Word of God together. Here we go. It says this, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself... Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so, I, so have I, I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And lastly, verse 11 says this, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Can we say hallelujah together? i tell you what, let's pray one more time. I know we just pray. Let's pray again before we dive all the way in. Father, we love you so much. 
Thank you, God, for your love towards us. Thank you for supplying us the grace to live each day. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst, God. Thank you for what you're doing in this young adult ministry. And thank you for what you're doing in our church as a whole. God, we're so grateful. Father, I pray that um, you would continue to speak to us as we open your word, as we continue in our worship through going uh, through your word. God, help us. Um, Lord, I'm asking that you would bring um, clear understanding of what it means to abide in you. God, help us surrender all of our thoughts and all of our affections to you. And Everlast, I just, I like to do this. Uh, most of you know, but just take a few seconds to pray for your own heart. And just pray this simple prayer. Say, God, would you speak to me tonight? And next, I just encourage you to pray that for the person on your left and right. Ask God to speak to them. Say, God, would you speak to them tonight? And lastly, I just would kindly ask that you would pray for me. Um, that God would use me tonight to, um, to make things clear and helpful. Well, Father, we love you very much. We're listening. We're here. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. It's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I don't know about you. That song popped in my head. I don't know about you. <laughs> Sorry. I should have kept talking. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, growing up, I was so eager to get my driver's license. One, one person shares it with me tonight. One, one wooer out there. When I rounded the corner of my preteens, uh, turning 15 and getting my learner's permit, it honestly felt like forever until 16 hit. I'm not sure if, um, Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and thank you, the other wooer. And actually, y'all, I was so stoked to get my license. I was freaking out. I was totally amped. I really was. Stoked to get a bigger and better sense of what? Freedom in my life. Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> in preparation for my 16th birthday, my pop, y'all, my pop was ever so kind. This is what he, he sat me down. He said, Kev, I'll tell you what. I'll buy your first truck. But after that, you're on your own. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I seriously couldn't believe it. Growing up, I always wanted a Dodge Ram. Because like any real 90s kid, I watched and looked up to none other than Walker, Texas Ranger. Yes, and, walk, and you know, and listen, if Walker had a Dodge Ram, I, I want a Dodge Ram. I, I totally wanted one. And I remember like it was yesterday being handed the keys in my first pickup truck. And y'all, I mean, the feeling, I, 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 the feeling of this, the, this feeling, this thought, I can literally go anywhere right now. Y'all, it was one of the coolest feelings in the world. Would y'all agree with that? I'm sure not, m most of you, if not all of you, can relate to this in some form or fashion, right? You see, I was so stoked 
uh, uh, for us to start this new series, Abide. Because in John 15, I, I believe this passage of Scripture is kind of like getting your driver's license or keys to the car for the first time. Or, or, or you know, uh, um, that feeling of getting the acceptance letter to the college that you applied for. Or, or that job you always wanted and you applied for and then you got hired for. Everlast, this passage of Scripture should carry with it the same sense of freedom and liberation. If not more, <laughs> y'all, y'all, there's so much revelation in John 15, specifically 1 through 11. So much revelation. As a matter of fact, if you're on a desert island and there was only one passage of Scripture that you could read for the rest of your life, I would argue that this should be the one. John 15, specifically 1 through 11, truly does show our purpose as Christians um, and after reading through this and studying it a bit more, y'all, I realize that at least for me, there's no other thing that I want to do. There's no other thing that I need to do than to abide. Why? Well, y'all check this out. The context and time of when Jesus shares these words to his friends, his disciples, y'all, check it out, was the very night that he was going to be betrayed by Judas Iscariot. Y'all, Jesus shared these words we just read just hours before he was arrested and later crucified. Check it out. If you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, it's kind of a, it's not necessarily the most fun thing to imagine, right? But if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do? What would you do? Well, you, I'll tell you what you do. You'd gather those that are most important around you, and you would, you would choose your words very very wisely, right? Y'all, that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He knows that he is going to die the next day. So he gathers the people that are most important to him and he shares with them the most important things that need to be known moving forward. And this is where we're at, at John 15. This is exactly where we're at. By the way, with John uh, 15, 1 through 11, let me just say it this way. The, 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 what I love about this passage, Everlast, is that there's no more like quote-unquote filler days in your life. What does that mean, Kev? Glad you asked. Mean, meaning this, no day is wasted. Whether it's, a, whether it's a good day you're having or, if I could just say it, a sucky day you're having, <laughs> a bad day you're having. This passage of God's word shows your purpose. It shows you exactly what to do. Now, because most, y'all check it out, most don't have a proper understanding of what abiding is, if not careful, it can get pretty ambiguous when it comes to the semantics of using the word abide. My lovely wife, Tina, she'll be teaching more in depth and defining this in next week's sermon. Come back next week and buy a friend. Uh, but for just quick reference tonight, I'm just going to say this way, right? To abide simply is to live, to continue or remain. Simple, simply put, to abide. Please, if you're taking notes, I just encourage you. Tonight's, by the way, going to be a little more studious in nature. So I encourage you to take those notes. To abide simply is to live, continue or remain. So, okay, so to abide in Christ is to live in in him or remain in him when a person is saved what are they described as everlast 
Well, he or she is described as being in Christ, right? In Christ. Let's, let's just take a, a look at a couple of scriptures that, 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 say, that share this, that show this. Romans 8.1, common scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. You can say it out loud with me. In Christ Jesus. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is what? In Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what does this mean? Well, this means we are held secure, secure in a permanent relationship with God. I love this next two verses. John, it's on the screen. John 10, 28 through 29. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Woo! It just gets me, it makes me want to run through a wall when I read that. Like, yeah, yes, hallelujah, amen. Therefore, listen, Everlast, abiding in Christ is... <laughs> Abiding in Christ is not some sort of like special level of Christian experience available to like a few. No, no, no. Rather, abiding in Christ, it is the position of all true believers. Abiding in Christ is the position of all true believers. The difference Y'all, between those abiding in Christ and those not abiding in Christ is the difference between the saved and the unsaved. This is where we commonly, y'all, we, we get mistaken. And, and, and because, we y'all, we associate abide with something that we flip on and off like a light switch. But that isn't what it means at its core. Abiding in Christ also, by the way, is taught, you can write this down, it's not on the screen, 1 John 2, just specifically even five, verses 5 through 6, where abiding in Christ is synonymous with knowing Christ. So biblically, abiding in, remaining in, and knowing Christ are references to the same thing. That is salvation. Salvation. Y'all, the phrase abide in Christ, it shows an intimate, close relationship with God Almighty. And it's not just like a superficial acquaintance. Without the vital connection with Christ that salvation provides, there's no way we can, there's no, there's no productivity or no ultimate life. End of the day, if you want salvation, abide in Jesus. If you want true joy and peace, abide in Jesus. If you want freedom from sin, abide in Jesus. If you want purpose in your life, abide in Jesus. And specifically, freedom from the penalty of sin. If we can just kind of correct that. That's just kind of a short way of putting it. Y'all, question. Let's ask this question. So, can you be truly saved and not abide in Christ? Answer, no. Again, abiding in Christ literally means to live and continue or remain in Christ. It's an issue of salvation. But like I mentioned, it can get pretty ambiguous when it comes to the semantics of using the word abide. We are prone to misuse or even misunderstand its intent or actual meaning. 
Rather, I would say the correct way to view abide is like this. I place my faith in Jesus, so therefore I abide and am connected to him. I am born again. I am saved. But because sin still lurks, I still struggle with the flesh and sometimes lose the battle. And so this is, we're going to be talking about it in a few moments. This is what verse 2 talks about when it says that branches that don't bear fruit. More on that later. Y'all, when our thoughts ever last, when our thoughts and our actions don't reflect one who abides in Christ, good news is we will not be lost. Jesus himself intercedes for us, for me, for us as our high priest. More on that in a bit as well. End of the day. Check this out. Is it wrong for a person to say or pray, I want to abide more? Everlasting. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is one of the best, best prayers you can pray to God. But abiding has, y'all, listen this, is, listen, this is so important that you catch this tonight. Abiding, abiding has way more to do with being rather than doing. I'll catch that. Don't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Abiding doesn't mean we don't do, per se. Let me, let me put it this way. To abide is to be active, not passive. We can only abide, as a matter of fact, because of salvation taking its place. Because of the amazing saving work that Christ did on our behalf. Although we abide in, remain in Jesus, and holiness being the goal, y'all, we obviously still sin. We still sin. 1 John 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Someone needs to say amen to that. That's such good news to a sinner like So I hope that brought some clarity to that. Again, just to reiterate, it's, it's a beautiful thing to pray and, and to want to abide more. But abiding has, has, has more to do with being rather than doing. Being active, not passive. Now, the, check it out. The word abide actually shows up 10 times in the 11 verses that we'll be going through in this series. Now, is the word abide in the two verses we're going through tonight? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but like I said earlier, the first two verses help set up the remaining nine verses, and they are going to bring us a lot more clarity to abiding in Christ as we start the series out. So check it out. The first two verses we're going to be uh, talking through tonight help bring us um, specific clarity on three things. The first two verses help bring clarity on three things. All right, ready? God's identity, God's priority, and God's activity. Let's start with the first, God's identity. Let's go back to our text, John 15.1. Hopefully you're already still turned there. Um, I'm the, I'm, uh, John 15.1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Y'all, Jesus immediately starts this moment with I am. He says, I am. Y'all, this, this is a massive statement Jesus made. 
a massive statement. This would have, you know, this have would have particular have significance to, to the first century Jewish listener. Well, why? Well, y'all, Jesus is establishing his identity. God had revealed Himself to Moses long time before Jesus said this, with the, you know, with that resounding "I am." In Exodus chapter three, verse fourteen, and now Jesus, all these years later, used the same words to describe himself. Jesus, when he said this, y'all, um, that he, what he said, what when he said that I am the true vine, he is saying that he's saying I am the eternal God that has always been and will always be. He is declaring that he is God. So we need to clearly understand that Jesus will never, y'all, he will never settle for being anything less than God. Check it out. If you're not a Christian in the room tonight, if you would say, I don't believe in Jesus yet, let me first say, we're glad you're here. (laughs) Thank you for coming. You're so welcome here. But let me also say this. It's important to realize that Jesus claimed to be the one true God. There's a lot of people in the world, y'all, that, that are great with Jesus being a virtuous man or, or, um, or a great moral teacher. But when we talk about Jesus being God, they lose their minds. But if you're not a Christian in the room tonight, you need to know that to let Jesus be good but not God is to let Jesus get away with either being a liar or a lunatic. If you are a Christian in the room tonight, let me ask you this real quick. Does your life tell the world that you believe that Jesus Christ is the one true God? It's a great question to ask. I think it's a great question to ask daily. It doesn't matter if you follow Jesus for 75 years or 75 minutes. Does your life tell the world that you believe that Jesus Christ is the one true God? Here's another way to ask it. I think it's on the screen for you. Does your life show that Jesus is just significant or supremely preeminent? I'll ask it again. Does your life show that Jesus is just significant or supremely preeminent? Y'all, preeminent meaning taking first place above all things. This means that there are no other little gods competing for Jesus' place in your life. Now, check it out. Hang with me for the next few moments, y'all. Because when Jesus says, I'm the true vine, y'all, I'm telling you, this is a massive statement, a revolutionary statement. The reason why it's so revolutionary is that, it, that if you go and read the entire Old Testament, which is a history lesson of the nation of Israel, all throughout the Old Testament, y'all, Israel is actually, is actually referred to as God's vine. But... When Israel is talked about as God's vine, it's talked about as God's rebellious vine. So let me just give you an example. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21, I think it's on the screen, says this, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Here's what you need to know, Everlast. God chose the nation of Israel out of all the nations in the world for a specific reason and for a special purpose. 
he planted them like a vine, expecting them to bear fruit. That's what vines are supposed to do, right? (laughs) Bear fruit. But instead, the nation of Israel um, um, failed to fulfill the purpose for which it was created. I think it's good for us to understand then, what was, let's ask this question, what was the nation of Israel's purpose in the Old Testament? Like, let's ask that question tonight. What was the nation of Israel's purpose in the Old Testament? Y'all, in studying this, in studying for this sermon, I came across Exodus chapter 19. Don't miss it. Here it is. This is going to give you so much understanding of the Old Testament just by reading these two verses. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. It's on the screen. Check it out. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, verse 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So what was the purpose of Israel? Answer, they were to be kingdom of priests. What's the role of a priest? Great question. Answer, the priest is to serve as a mediator between two parties. To bring about reconciliation between two parties, the nation of Israel was to be a vine that that was planted and they were to bear fruit that the rest of the world, all the nations would see. They were, y'all, the nation of Israel, they were to put God on display. They, they, they were to show God's love, to, to show his mercy, to put on display his justice to the nations. They were to serve as a mediator that all of the nations would look at Israel and want to become like Israel, fearing and worshiping the one true God, Yahweh. But Israel failed to fulfill the purpose for which it was chosen. So now, instead of the nations becoming like Israel, Israel became like the nations. Instead of the nations worshiping Israel's God, Israel worshiped the nation's gods. So, so y'all check it out. When Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, what he's saying is, I am the true Israel. Jesus is saying, I'm able to do what Israel was never able to do. Israel became like the nations, but now because Jesus is the true vine, the nations are becoming like Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has, has been, y'all, he's been the like, perfect, fruitful vine. He has, y'all, Jesus has put God's love God's mercy, his grace, his justice on display for the entire world. He has been our mediator. He has been our perfect high priest. When he he went to the cross and died for our sins, y'all, that's what he was doing. He was making a way for us, unrighteous, unholy people to be made right with the perfect and holy God. Y'all, wow, hallelujah. Can someone say amen to that? Jesus is the true vine that has borne much fruit. So here's, a basic re- here's the basic reality. Jesus, the true vine, is developing branches of all nations. That is why, y'all, that is why, like, today, right now, people are coming to faith 
in Jesus, in China, India, all over the Middle East, Africa, all over here in the U.S., all over the world. We, <laughs> we can't forget that. God is in the business of saving, and he's doing it. This is who we're talking about, y'all. Jesus, the true vine. Which, by the way, just real quick, uh, kind of a quick side note, little detour, but Jesus saying the I like Jesus saying I am in our specific text tonight, Everlast, is actually the last of actual seven I am sayings um, in this specific gospel of John. To help resource you, I just wrote the list. Uh, of, of Jesus' seven I am statements in the book of John. And they're going to be on the screen. So I encourage you, get your phone out if you want to take a picture, take a note, you take quick notes. I'm going to kind of breeze through them quick. So uh, praise God for the iPhone or, and a smartphone and take pictures. So uh, check this out. Here's the first one he said. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That's John 6, 35, 41, 48, and 51, which says, he's saying, as bread sustains physical life, so Christ offers and sustains spiritual life. The second I am statement, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Uh, John 8, 12. To a world lost in darkness, Christ offers himself as a guide. Next, I am the door of the sheep. John 10, 7 and 9. Jesus protects his followers as shepherds protect their flocks from predators. Love that. Jesus is so hardcore. Love it. Next one, I am the resurrection of, I'm sorry, I am the resurrection and the, the life. John chapter 11, verse 25. Y'all, death is not the final word for those in Christ. Gosh, I love that. Next, I, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 11, and 14. Jesus is committed to caring and watching over those who are his. Next, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Jesus is the source of salvation in all truth and knowledge about God. And lastly, what we read tonight, Jesus says, I am the true vine. John 15, 1 and 5. By attaching ourselves to Christ, we, um, we enable his, his life to flow in and through us. Then we cannot help but bear fruit that will honor the Father. We're going to talk about this in this series. Now, Jesus not only established his identity, right? We're on God's identity, this first point. Jesus not only established his identity in John 15, 1, but then he, established, he establishes God the Father's identity. Let's Just a few words waiter. Words waiter. <laughs> I, uh, I, I lead worship here at the worship ministry. Um, anyways, uh, sorry. John 15, 1. Let's keep going. The next part says, my father is the vine dresser, right? What is the vine dresser? Well, that's the gardener. That's the gardener. The farmer, the, the, the caretaker of the vineyard. The father is the cultivator. Look, I want to look specifically at Jesus' wording, though. Let's read uh, verse 2 again, John 15, verse 2. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So we see the phrase every branch show up how many times? Twice, right? Just in one verse. Well, why? Well, because the, I love this, y'all. The father, y'all, he's the caretaker. 
He's the, he's the caretaker. He is, the father is well acquainted with the health and the productivity and the needs of every single branch. You know what that means, Everlast? Wherever you're at right now, if you have abided in Christ, you have been saved. What that means, God sees you. God loves you. He cares about you. And wants to do a great work in and through you. This is God's identity. So now we get to the second thing John 15, 1 through 2 brings clarity to. The first was God's identity. The second thing is God's priority. Right? We mentioned God's priority. What is God's priority for your life? Well, let's go back to our text again. We're going to read it again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. It's simple, y'all. God's priority in your life is that you will live a life that bears much fruit. What's, great, what's, what's pretty cool is there's actually this progression in our, in our passage for this series. There's this progression that, uh, that happens in the series that we're in, John 15, 1 through 11. It goes from no fruit, the first part of verse 2, to bearing fruit, which is the middle part of verse 2, to more fruit, which is the last part of verse 2, to later in verse 5, which we'll get to next week, uh, bearing much fruit. This is God's goal for your life, that you will bear much fruit. So that begs the question, everlasting, what is spiritual fruit? What is spiritual fruit? We, <laughs> we definitely don't want to get ambiguous here. Um, I don't want you to assume, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't want to assume that, to just, you know, that you know exactly what I'm talking about here when, I say God wants, to, uh, wants you to live a life that bears much fruit. So let's be clear. What is spiritual fruit? Well, here's some biblical examples of, some, of, of, of spiritual fruit. One, Christ-like character. That's Galatians 5, right? Keeping in step with the Spirit, not the flesh. Um, um, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, all these fruits of the Spirit. Christ-like character. Uh, another one is good works. Uh, after the, another one, uh, conversion. Check this out. When God uses you in the life of someone else and they put their faith in Christ, that, that the message of the gospel is bearing fruit by means of conversion through God's grace through you. Um, um, worship. Y'all, I love this. Hebrews 13. Love this. Uh, Hebrews 13 talks about the praise of our lips is actual fruit to God. It's awesome. Gen I love this one too. Generosity. When you look at that's when you look at everything you have as belonging to God and you give generously for the glory of God and for the good of others. These are just some examples of, of a spiritual fruit. Y'all, check it out. I know tonight is, is a little more studious in nature. So if y'all are tuned out, I just need you to tune in real quick and listen closely on this next part. Cool? Can you say cool? Thanks. Because some of you are going to hear this talking about fruit tonight and how it's God's will for your life to bear much fruit that you would live a life that bears a lot of fruit if not careful though everlast you're going to think that the application of this sermon is to simply go out and bear fruit if that's what you think the application of the sermon is so far you've royally missed it just being honest with you allow me to explain because tonight we're not talking about what you need to do 
That's not what we're talking about here at all. I love how, I love how Timothy Atik says it when he says it like this. He's a pastor down in Texas. He says this, the Christian life isn't primarily about doing, it's about responding. That is learning how to respond to who God is, what he is doing, and why he is doing it. Everlast, let me put it this way. Fruit is simply the natural result of responding to God's identity, priority, and activity. Timothy Atik also puts it this way. If you don't see much fruit in your life, the answer isn't to do more. It's to delight more. I think that shouldn't just be like a bumper sticker. Oh, that sounds kind of cool. That, 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 that's reality. That's huge. That's huge, y'all. If you don't see much fruit in your life, the answer isn't to do more. It's to delight more. The goal is to delight in who God is, what he's doing, why he's doing it, period. What's crazy is that we aren't actually instructed to do anything in our passage until verse 4 in, this, in what we're reading. The first couple of verses are all about his identity and his activity. Now, this leads us to our final thing that uh, the first two verses of John 15 bring, help bring clarity to. Lastly, God's activity. God's activity. The first activity that God does is that he will take branches away if they're bearing no fruit. Oh, that sounds crazy, right? Sounds crazy. This part of the second verse, y'all, has been widely debated amongst many pastors, many commentators. There's three ways that this particular moment is debated. First is that Jesus is talking about Christians who lose their salvation, which is 100% inaccurate and wrong. Second, Jesus is talking about fake Christians, people who talk about, you know, people rather who talk the talk but don't walk the walk. The third, and the one that honestly fits best for me, and that I, I, that I believe, is that Jesus is, take, is he, Jesus is talking to genuine Christians because, as you can see, he says specifically, every, uh, he says every branch in me. And I think that those words are crucial. Those words are crucial. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, what you need to know is that the word takes away, everlast, is the Greek word arrow. And it has actually, it actually has not one, but two translations. Pretty crazy. Hang with me. Arrow is to take away or to lift up. So you could, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. So check it out, though. Listen, both, are, both of these translations, arrow, uh, to take away or to lift up, they're both are used in the book of John. The word arrow, y'all, is actually used 23 times. 23 times in the book of John. The majority of the times, it means to take away, but there are several times as well where it's used to, 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 to lift up. And I think it's this, I think that that's this moment in John 15. It fits as Jesus, y'all, Jesus is specifically unpacking for us the care of the Father, the care of the vine dresser, being connected to him, abiding in him, the care. It depicts a vine dresser, y'all, um, taking the branches that are running along the ground or, or maybe stuck in the mud or not getting enough sunlight. He then takes away or rather lifts up those branches. 
I love what Psalm 138, verse 6 says, Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though, he, though lofty, he sees them from afar. For Psalm 40, verse 2, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. Verse uh, Psalm 3, 3, but you, O Lord, are shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I think this shows the heart of the father towards those who are in a season of bearing no fruit he doesn't tear us down he builds us up he's a lifter of the lowly also have you have you can, can I just talk I just I said last week can I be frank remember I said can I be frank so is your my name's not Kevin I'm gonna be frank hi my name's Frank be frank with you have you ever noticed that we try to hide our low branches Let me explain it. It's like we don't want anyone to see this certain area of our life where we don't have our fruit all in order or we don't have it all together. It's like, like why do we do that? It's like the little kid, you know, I kind of thought of this example who, you know, parents show up and he's drawn all over the walls. The parents are like, you know, parents ask and, and he, he hides it. He's like, I, and he's holding the pen. He's like, I didn't do this. He's like, not me. You know, I, I, um, I like to think of it this way. If you truly abide, you truly have nothing to hide. Because your identity isn't in your branches. Your identity is in the vine. Y'all, God is committed to your growth and God is committed to your good for his glory. Y'all, he is full, full of grace towards you because he cares for you. He knows exactly how to help you. He's the vine dresser. He knows every branch. This leads to the second activity God does in this verse. It says that he prunes us, right? Right? It says that he prunes us. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch uh, that does not bear fruit, he pr- uh, every branch that does, uh, does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be, bear more fruit. Y'all, I can give you whoo, dozens and dozens of examples of how God prunes us. As a matter of fact, God just recently pruned the poop out of me. Can I say it that way? I was weird. He pruned me. <laughs> boy, oh boy, did he prune me good. I tell you what, y'all, I can be such a prideful punk. It was only about a week and a half ago where my prideful punk self was on the prowl again and uh, seeking man's praise and man's approval. I spoke with my wife and she uh, simply yet boldly reminded me of who I am and ultimately who God is. The resolve, me getting pruned so that I can bear the tastier fruit of humility than the poison apple of pride. Which makes me think, God doesn't just want leaves for you. He wants fruit. Sometimes, I feel like sometimes we get stuck on today's leaves when he wants us to focus on the growing of fruit for tomorrow. Y'all, this is so awesome, again, because God is committed to your good and your growth. Sometimes we will, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, let me phrase it. Sometimes he will cut off leaves in your life that you think are good, but they're actually stunning your growth for tomorrow. Everlast, let me ask you, let me ask you this way. What, what are some leaves in your life right now that you know are stunting your growth? 
maybe ask you this, but what do you value more? What, what, what do you value more, today's leaves or tomorrow's fruit? What, and let me, let me also say this, what, what is God's main gardening tool? If we're going to use the, the garden stuff, right? What is, main, what is God's main gardening tool as he prunes us? Well, hallelujah, his word. Empowered by the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit, y'all, the word of God is the universe's most accurate mirror. Stand in front of it and you will see yourself as you really are. Another gardening tool God the vine dresser uses is his church. This is all the more reason for us to be in genuine community. Y'all, the purpose of the church is to glorify God by living in community that builds each other up, holds each other accountable, prays for each other, tends to each other. So in closing, as we can see, there is a lot, y'all, there's a lot. Um, um, I Just so much, just in two verses. So much to unpack. Let me ask you this, just in closing. Does, I'm going to ask it again. Does your life show that Jesus is just significant or supremely preeminent? And let me say again, if you don't see much fruit in your life, y'all, the answer isn't to do more. It's to delight more in Christ. And spiritual fruit is simply the natural result of responding to God's identity, his priority, and his activity. Simply put, if we abide in Christ, do less, delight more. Amen? Let's pray together.